my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of VHS Strikes Back. I am your new host, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we dust off the old video player and go on a nostalgic journey to look at the good and bad movies of yesteryear. And for today's review, we've got a special guest. We've got a, a friend of mine who I met last year at the Manchester Comic Con. We've got Max Byrne, who actually does reviews for DC World, but Max doesn't just review for them. He reviews for a, quite a few sites. So welcome to the show, Max, and plug away on what you're reviewing that, my friend. Oh, uh, hi, Chris. Hi, Dave. Uh, thanks very much for having me on. I'm absolutely delighted. Long-time fan of you guys with the Comics in Motion and now this one. And your chat footy as well. Always a great listen. So I'm absolutely psyched to be here. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, as you said, yeah, you, we met last year, didn't we? And um, I was there through DC World, who I continue to write for, for to this day. And as well as that, I write for a, a site in America called Dark Knight News and a couple of other British sites, Fantastic Universes, who we also do a podcast through, and another site called Earth9. So, yeah, busy, busy. That's good, Max. Thank you as well for coming on. That's great. And as you're the guest, Max, we sort of threw it out there and said, what do you want to review? And you give me a list of about six or seven different things, but we ended up sort of coming to an agreement. So what are we reviewing today, my friend? One of easily the greatest films of all time, an absolute stone-cold classic, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Good stuff, good stuff. Now, David, have you got any memories of this movie? Oh, I do. Now, this is the first movie I ever saw that was a 15, or, you know, it's an R-rated in the US, isn't it? But in the UK, it's a 15. I remember going with a bunch of my mates, a few girls as well that I was trying to tap off with, but I was permanently in the friend zone. (laughs) (laughs) And... I just remember absolutely loving it. I'd seen the the original Terminator, even though I was way too young to see it. And Arnie was just about, you know, he was at the height of his powers around this time, wasn't he? Just going into this. Uh, Loved Conan the, the Barbarian. So I was just absolutely salivating to watch this. And I was a massive Guns N' Roses fan at the time, as well as, you know, a, a load of other people around my age were at the time. And so you know, for the for the music in the film and everything. I just watched this and I just thought it was one of the best things I'd ever seen, if not the best. And, you know, not revealing too much early, but, you know, stands up pretty well as well. It's like, you know, it was released in 1991, but, uh, yeah, I, I was quite surprised when I, when I went back to it. Now, good stuff. What about yourself, Max? I, fortunately, I was only 12 when this came out in 91, so there was no way I was looking 15 and being able to go and see it at the cinema. So I had to wait the months and months and months for it to come out on VHS. Um, I had, like Dave, I'd already seen the first one on VHS a year or two before, even though I was way too young to have seen it, and was an absolute SWAT. Well, I still am to this day, but even then I was an absolute Schwarzenegger fanboy, Predator, Total Recall, Commando, all those that had come before. And I was absolutely just could not wait to see this film and boy it just did not disappoint when it came out oh it's good that's good and i have a little story regarding this i think i may have mentioned this one so forgive me dave if i've mentioned it on our terminator review but 
I remember there was a, obviously Dave, you lived in Manchester for quite a long time and Max, you, you're not far away, but do you ever remember Max, the cinema at Salford Keys that used to be there? Oh yeah, yeah. I went there a few times for uh, like friends' birthdays and things like that, yeah. Yeah, well, well, me and you are pretty much the same age because around about 91, I was 12, 13 in the November. So when this come out, I was about 12. And I remember my best friend was, he was older than me. He was about 13, at six, seven months old or whatever he was. And we went to Salford Keys to watch it. And my brother was with me and he was 18 months younger than me. He was only 11. And, and like, all right, I'm 6'2 now, but I wasn't 6'2 then. I was probably just like <laughs> average height for my age. And we remember we went and they had like this get to the till and all that to pay. And we'd walked over the bridge because we all live near Lanky Cricket Ground, United's Ground. So we walked over and uh, we get through. And a fucking guy served me, my brother, and one <laughs> served me mate who was older than us. And he was taller than me at the time. And I was like, no, you can't come in, son. And we were like, no, no, no. And we, we were in. We were like walking through. And like true friends, I've mentioned this before, Dave, actually, as I said, like true friends, we, we went out and got our money back. And, and I everyone, do remember you saying yeah, that. Yeah, you actually Scott said... Scott saying, <laughs> leave didn't need to bug it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I fucking wish I had now, the bastard. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, and it's one of them things like you, uh, Max, I had to wait then for literally probably about a year, six months until it became on video. And I don't think I actually bought it. I think I had to watch it. My cousin had it. He was obviously an Arnie nut who mentioned before he got me into Arnie because of the bodybuilding and everything. But uh, yeah, what a film. I, I, and I agree with you, Dave. And like you say, not to shoot our load to really but it stands up so much uh, fantastic movie now we do actually before we get into our trailer we do have a review which if i'd have been more prepared i would have actually had open so just bear with me <laughs> 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 open itunes I, I saw it come through this morning um okay so this review on itunes in the uk store is from shales 26 and it says uh, actually the title is it's a true laugh a minute podcast. And it says, look forward to every episode, brilliant content and always hilarious. Whether it's the two hosts, Chris and Dave, stitching each other up with poor movie choices, I think that's mostly <laughs> you, Chris, uh, or their general lighthearted take on classic or not so classic movies from the VHS era. Highly recommended. So, absolutely brilliant review. <laughs> and yeah, it's, I, I feel like it's mostly Chris stitching me up, to be fair. But no, thank you very much for sending that through. That's great. That's brilliant. I love listening and reading stuff like that out there. That's, that's so good. So good. Thanks, Shales. Really, really good. And, and also, to be fair, Dave, I've said it to you before, you've done me plenty of times in Comics in Motion. So, it, it's, <laughs> I might be getting my own back on this one when I get the chance. But um, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of stuff down the line that we'll talk about that you're going to have me over. I still, I look at it differently. I think I've enriched your life with exposing you to the likes of Weird Science, to Howard the Duck. These are great, great <laughs> classic movies. Dave, a fucking <laughs> duck with its tits out. Let's be honest, Dave. You can't get any it's worse. It's better than that Noel's Bard shit that you made me watch last week. <laughs> <laughs> Max, have you seen Noel's Bard? Oh, God, have I. It's not as well, has it? Oh my god! I don't, I don't think it aged when it first came out. <laughs> that, that shit. Shit thirty years ago. 
<laughs> the thing is, though, the daft thing is, it created so much buzz on our social media because loads of people come out of the woodwork admitting they'd, they watched it. <laughs> I can't remember who it was who tweeted back now because I, I think I'd put the, uh, the the initial tweet up and, and I think I'd mentioned, like, I had to suffer through it. And someone responded back, like, there is no suffering in this. It's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely got his fans out there just oh, yeah. so dave i think it's about time we went into our trailer yeah let's go i need your clothes your boots and your motorcycle <laughs> 29 year old female diagnosed as acute schizoaffective disorder she believes that a machine called a terminator was sent back through time the killer. My son, he's in great danger. Are you the legal guardian of John Connor? What's he done now? There was a guy here this morning looking for him too. Yeah, a big guy on a bike. I wouldn't worry about him. Get down. <laughs> Who sent you? You did. 35 years from now, you reprogrammed me to be your protector here. He's a Terminator like you, right? Not like me. E-1000, advanced prototype. Kill us all! Go! Come with me if you want to live. We don't have much time. Excellent. It's definitely you. Hasta la vista, baby. Now, the movie opens up with a look at post-apocalyptic Los Angeles in 2029, and we're told that three billion human lives ended in August 29th, 1997, and the survivors of the nuclear fire call this Judgment Day. In the present day, 1995, we see that a T-800 Terminator appears outside a bar and inside demands, I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Now, Max, I'm going to come to you first. What do you make to the opening of this movie? Oh, it's ace. It's, I love the start where it's in the future and you actually see the adult John Connor um, and you get the voiceover from Linda Hamilton just kind of, kind of, not going back over the first one, but just kind of just reminding you a little bit of what happened in the first one and then setting the table for the second one about how they sent two robots back this time. And then that opening bar scene with Arnie is it's just iconic. It's just iconic. The, the everything about it, the the dialogue in it and the way he just absolutely destroys those bikers, it's just fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. Could I just say before I come to you, Chris, I think that opening looks today in two thousand and nineteen looks fantastic. It looks like it could have come out last week. 
I think I was really surprised at how great it, it, it really does look. But yeah. I'm not having that that old John Connor <laughs> looks anything like Ed Furlong. He just looked completely different. And so uh, that was the only thing that, that um, I thought, oh, that's, that's bollocks, I'm not having that. But I thought the T-800s, when you get that kind of post-apocalyptic scene, and then you get the the music kicking in, and you get the... the the Terminator um, with all in all the flames and everything—it just looked unbelievable. Chris, what did you make of it? I love it. As soon as obviously he goes into the bar and he does the whole like you said, they close your boots motorcycle. And they all start laughing and and all that. It's when thingy kicks in. It's George Furrigood and the Destroyers. The song there and I, bad to the ball. Fucking brilliant, absolute yeah. class. And then he gets off, doesn't he? As a kind of you had the bag, son, and you know and he, he comes and takes his shades off that that uh, the barman. <laughs> Just like, why would you even bother to attempt to go out there when he's just he's just showing no fear or pain and kick the shit out of all these probably rough ass guys? Um, no, it's fantastic. But what I like is I know with the first one, and and if you've not read any research into this, the way this starts until about twenty minutes in, I know we've all got hindsight, we've seen it loads of times, all three of us. But it's the fact that Arnie sort of played out to be the bad guy at the start, which is quite clever. Robert Patrick's T-1000 comes into it. All right, yeah, he, he gets the cop outfit that, but you don't see a lot from him. He just ends up looking round for him, doesn't he? He seems like quite an approachable guy at first. Yeah, I mean, that was this was released before the days of internet spoilers and things like that. And yeah. they, in, in all the trailers, they didn't give away the fact that Arnie was a good guy this time. So... Imagine being that for the first time, going to see that, and then that moment where he reveals what side he's on. Actually seeing that for the first time, that must have been quite something back then. It was. It absolutely was. I, I, you say, though, Chris, about bad to the bone. I, I agree. Again, what took me out a little bit, and I, I think I'm taking your role this, this uh, week, Chris, a little <clears> bit <throat> unintentionally, but when he goes into the bar, it's clearly a biker's bar. And they are dressed up in all the black leather. It looks like a rocker's type of biker's bar. But they're playing this soft country music. Did you notice that? I've never noticed that, no. Obviously, they put the music all in in post, don't they? So they're not playing anything when they're filming all of this. I've seen this film so many times, and it's the first time I really noticed. It, it, it just seemed off. You know, they, there's no way these bikers were listening to a bit of country music. Um, <laughs> it's just very bad. I never noticed that. Had you noticed that, Max? I'd never even thought of it. Well, yeah, you you'd go. expect that's, like that's them my... to be listening to Slayer or something, wouldn't you? Yeah. But, uh, um, but did you? It, I don't know if you noticed in the new one in Dark Fate that country song is featured in the new film when oh, the, the uh, same yeah, one, is it? yeah when the Rev Nine gets kicked off the back of the plane and sort of crash lands in that sort of backyard barbecue spoilers for on. Dark Fate. Oh, we don't say we spoil everything, do we? Maybe we'll insert a little thing. From now on, yeah. we spoil everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, there is a scene in Dark Fate where that song briefly features. Ah, right. I've had yeah. it's that, to be honest, Max. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. quite a good one. And I think, I think the start of the movie is great because you get all this and then we get introduced, don't we, to John. And John's, I mean, his fucking mate's got an absolute belt in mullet. I mean, that, <laughs> that, 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 fucking hell, that is a... 
That, yeah, it, it looked weird, didn't it? Cause I was thinking that. I mean, John Connor's got the proper 90s type cut, hasn't he? You know, a bit, yeah. a bit shaved underneath, long on top. But the mullet, and it, the fucking ginger mullet at that, you know, it just looked well out of place. <laughs> I, mean, I was like, surely mullets had gone out by the 90s. But He's got a wife beater shirt on as well, and he trailer trash, so maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's come from some hillbilly town, I'm not sure, but he yeah. certainly looked like he should have been the one listening to country music. Anyway, he was so, you're right, Dave, totally out of place. <laughs> you know, he's, he's at, I was convinced he was the, the kid out of Big. You know his best mate, but it's not. It's a, it's a completely different actor. It's a guy called Danny Cooksey. I had to yeah. look him up, and uh, I, but I was convinced it was him out of Big. Yeah, he does have a look of him, and also we do get we get the, the, the in between, don't we? Where the, the term T one thousand comes to the house, and he's looking for John, and he's dead nice to his his foster parents and all this caper, and then 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 we finally sort of get after about fifteen twenty minutes, we get introduced to Sarah, don't we? Properly, where she's in the the mental institute, and I'd, I'd say you now, seven years later, that fucking psychologist still wants a good crack, doesn't he? Because he's <laughs> he's horrible. And they're, they're horrible to it, aren't that guy's licking her face and stuff? Oh, it's fucking mingy. You don't shed a tear, do you, when she beats the shit out of him? No, yeah. not he, at all. he is a douchebag. But again, this is I'm going to shut up in a minute, but because this is the third nit I'm going to pick. <laughs> But when he's when he's showing everyone around and, you know, it's like going to the zoo or something, isn't it? And you've got all these probably students or something or interns and he, he's showing her and uh, she says, like, how's the knee? And he said, oh, she stabbed me in the kneecap a few weeks ago. A, a, a little bit on from that, they're going through this interview about, you know, whether she should be released. And he's like... Yeah, you, you know, you have been pretty good recently. Like, are you having a bit of a moment there? Like, yeah. <laughs> apart from stabbing you in the kneecap, apart from that, you've been pretty nice. Again, I, I, I just, I think they forgot about that bit of dialogue, and just, you know, again, that that's the last nit I'm going to pick for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely, you definitely sounding like me today, Dave. Um, what about yourself, Max? With this, but probably about the first maybe half an hour, forty minutes. Is there anything yeah. you, where you you picked out that you liked? Oh uh, well, yeah, I hate him as well. That Doctor Silverman. I mean, he he was in the first one, wasn't he? He was the same. Yeah. He was the guy at the police station interviewing Reese. and he literally passes Arnie in the door of the police station. Doesn't he? He's clocking off when Arnie walks into the police station and then yeah. does all I'll be back and then slaughters everyone. And it's like he's, that guy's erased that from his memory. You know, <laughs> even when the police come to interview her and they show her the um, pictures from the original film saying, oh, he, he killed 17 police officers that night, men with families. And he was there, that guy. And he's just <laughs> like, mm, whatever, yeah. And then when he sees, when they show the footage from a mall today, he still doesn't bat an eye. If I was him, I'd be like, you know, cacking my pants and running for the nearest bunker or something like that. But it's like he just <laughs> has erased it from his memory. Yeah, very convenient that, actually. You're right, continuity-wise. I, I think James Cameron missed that one, Max, because... Yeah, I've never even thought of that. So you just said it, but you're totally right. He, he he sort of produces it to Sarah as if he's never seen this guy. You know, it's yeah. like, well, he must have lost people he knew in that police station because he put it there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so he he wouldn't totally. Well, you would think Sarah was mad on the face of it, but there would be like a slight part of him that thinks, Christ, this like 
unstoppable machine came into a police off, a police station and eliminated 17 heavily armed cops and walked off you know maybe there's something in what she's saying you know but it's just like he's he's had a memory wipe or something men in black style <laughs> he's just a dory isn't he he's just he's forgotten about it he's just yeah. <laughs> whistling on his way home <laughs> he's just completely forgot about it all his mates at work um yeah he's not a fully believable character really is he he's just he's just such a tool um and he, sh- he should at least like you say he should at least have a bit of a doubt you know when he sees the picture of arnie and he's not aged a day seemingly it's like you know he didn't even give a quizzical look or anything it's just like oh yeah she's barking mad she is <laughs> barking mad that, that he had 300 bullets shot at him and he didn't come out with a fucking scratch did he seven years earlier well that's just let's just defy i didn't even think about this so we're just talking about it. now i'm shitting on it now because you dave um no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. say, totally enjoying it again from that intro all the way through i i, I can't say i ever really liked you know, Ed Furlong as as the young John Connor, I always think he's a bit of a tool, but I guess he's playing that. He's playing the little delinquents, isn't he? So even on the rewatch, I'm thinking, yeah, you're, you're a bit of a tool. And this was his first role, wasn't it? You know, so, yes. so he's not the greatest actor on the on the world. No, and I'm going to nick some of it here, uh, Dave and Max. I was listening to our friend Scott from the 20th Century Geek, so I'm actually nicking this from his podcast because he's done a, a Terminator retrospective and just gone through like the whole thing, Max. He's gone through like every one of them and he's done a Dark Fate review and that. And he, I didn't realise that his guest he has on for part one, this American guy, he says that Edward Furlong was plucked out um, from a family party. Uh, no, yeah. from from some party or something. And he just said to him, like, have you ever acted? He went, oh, my dad films me every year when it's my birthday or something. And that's how he got the part, because he looked right. It's like, well... Sounds a bit Operation U-Tree, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a Gary Glitter party. But anyway... Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what are the chances of that? That's like someone coming up to you in the street and going, you know what, here's a million pounds. You just... It, someone said... He actually said on Scott's podcast um, that... It was a bit of a poison chalice, wasn't it? Because I only remember him in American History X after that as uh, Edward Norton's brother, Dave, because I got mixed up there. Edward yeah. Norton. But yeah, that, I, I, it's a very, very bizarre thing for such a massive movie of the time. At the time, it was huge. To take such a punt on a little, well, it's a little run in this, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he wasn't even a trained child actor or anything like that. Like you said, they literally just looked saw him and went oh, he'd be all right do you want to you know screen test for it i mean talk about right place right time he's got yeah. a bit of um previous as well cameron hasn't he so aliens uh little newt she was i don't think she was an actress either no know. that's right yeah i think she went i think her brother went to audition and he her brother in the film is her brother in real life but she just went with him for his audition and uh. the producers went oh well what about your sister here? Do you want to, you know, read a few lines or something like that? And again, she, you know, and she never acted after that ever. She, she's a teacher or something. She didn't pursue acting as her career. It was just literally one film and done. Wow, that's amazing. That. She's going to do a that. film and do a great one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah, piss off, you're right. And, and, and getting back to the film, I've got to say, when John is in the arcade, the absolute gaming fanboy that I am uh, was just geeking out at all the arcade machines that were there. 
I know he's playing afterburner, I think, when the T-1000 decides to come after him. Uh, absolutely. I love this bit because this is where you're not sure who's who, whether Arnie's the baddie or he is. And, and obviously, it's when he, he's like, you know, uh, what does he say? Arnie says to him, get down. And then he's like, you know, uh, takes out the T-1000 and then the T-1000 levers him and throws him through the arcade window and stuff, doesn't he? But uh, no, I love all this bit this is where the sort of cat and mouse chasing starts. It's not in the arcade, is it? It's uh, is that a flower shop when he throws it, it's him in a flower shop? Well, it's in a it's in like some corridor, so he's he's running out. Oh so yeah, the corridor. Yeah, I mean, sorry, yeah. I remember when when he starts chasing John at first to see one thousand, he's looking for him in the arcade. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think all the way through this, the T one thousand has a weird criteria for who he's going to kill. Like some people, he seems to just kill them for the hell of it. But others, you know, he like his like John Connor's mate. You know, he sort of pushes out the way. Whereas I, I thought, well, surely you just hack away at anything that's in front of you. Anything that's getting in the way of your mission is fair game. So I, I, I was just a bit confused about what you know who he kills and who he doesn't. But I agree. I mean, it, that's something you don't you don't. Well, I guess you do if you go to like Blackpool, Southport, or whatever. Um, you don't tend to get arcades like that anymore, do you? No. I must admit, the nostalgia was oozing out of me at that time as well. I used to love going down the old arcades. Absolutely. Love about yourself, Max. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I used to love with a family going down to Southport and Blackpool. And they, like you said, they barely exist anymore. So it was great. I would have spent hours in that place, you know. Even when the mullet boy was getting pushed to the floor I still would have been there playing after Werner just, yeah. just having a sly look you know yeah. you alright is he dead no right carry on ah oh, shit I'm dead you bastard <laughs> <laughs> well I think you know again it was a great little touch you know the fact that Arnie's concealed his uh, his gun in the roses again I, I remember just watching that at the time so, oh, oh it's, it's an orange the guns and roses yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I've mentioned this, I'm sure, in the past, Chris, but Max, I, I've said in the past that I just don't really buy Robert Patrick as as that killer machine from the future. I, I personally think he's been miscast. I don't know. I know he's supposed to be more lean than Arnie, mm. you know, and he's, he's that upgraded model. I, I, don't, I don't want to call him out and body shame him, but I think it's those fucking sticky out ears, if I'm honest. I mean, what, what do you reckon to Robert Patrick as the, the old C-1000? Um, I, th- I quite like him, to be honest with you. Um, I think in some ways, it, him being the, the Terminator, or the other Terminator, should I say, it goes back to, I think, what Cameron was originally going to do was in the first one was not have an Arnold type person playing the Terminator and the thing was it was just it was just what it looked like a face in the crowd who could literally step out of the crowd at any minute and kill you and you'd never see it coming whereas with Arnold you know he's a mount of a man built like a brick shithouse and if he walked up to you out of a crowd you'd be like oh Jesus Christ you know Um, (laughs) but I know what you mean though it is kind of strange because up to that point you'd never see and probably since then really you never saw Arnold Schwarzenegger get battered in a one-on-one fight in any of his films ever he, you know he even held his own going hand to hand with the predator at the end of that film and to actually see him not only get 
consistently battered every time the two of them came together. But to be battered and treated like a ragdoll by someone who's literally half his size, that was a really weird thing to see. Um, so I actually thought it was quite good, to be honest. And I think you're right. I think it's that bit for me where he's kind of throwing him around from one side of the corridor to the other. I mean, I know he's supposed to be the upgraded model, but just just physics, you know, just if you've got something that's a lot bigger and heavier, typically it's, you're going to expect it to be a bit stronger. So I, I just, me personally, I don't buy it, but I do think I'm in the minority. I mean, what about yourself, Chris? Well, I think I've mentioned this as well, uh, and I said, said it, Max, on one of our previous podcasts, was Robert Patrick, and I, I might have when we did um, the Dark Fate review, actually, Dave, for Comics in Motion, but uh, Robert Patrick was billed. I remember at the time, like, reading, obviously, you got the newspapers and that. It was like your, your daily or weekly newspapers that have articles about Terminator and that around about 1990, 91. And I remember him saying, like, they've cast this unknown guy he was an absolute black belt martial art, you know, absolute hard as nails martial artist. And, and that's why they've picked him because he, he's a slightly different sort of lead actor and someone who, who's going to give Arnie's run for his money. He's not once in the fucking film, does he do he, even a catter, let alone a fucking roundhouse <laughs> kick. So what is the point of all that build up when all he does is run? And and gets his <laughs> he just does nothing, does he? I know he I know he shapeshifts, and that's and I want like what you're saying, Dave. I think I've never really had a problem with him being the T one thousand for the simple reason is Arnie's all brute force, but he's supposed to be more in my eyes. I see he's more finesse because he can shapeshift, and when he's under press, like when Arnie's kicking his head in, he just turns only where he's got his fist and it goes through his face and it ends up being he's got hold of Arnie's hand then yeah. and moves his body a bit like what happens with the Rev 9 in Dark Fate I've no spoilers but it's like that's basically a hybrid upgrade of the T-1000 isn't it really but um, I, I never really had a problem with him but again I, I did want to see some martial arts stuff where Arnie got a good kick in and I remember watching it thinking he doesn't do anything that they were building him up to <laughs> it was just more of a PR fluff thing I think yeah, and it, it was Industrial Light and Magic, so they're the ones who did all the special effects, and, and I think this was absolutely groundbreaking at the time, wasn't it? Because those effects, I mean, it, we, we say they stand up today, obviously if they did it today, it would look better, but for a 1991 movie... And considering it was so groundbreaking, it looks fantastic. And um, Industrial Light and Magic was spun off from, it was part of Lucasfilm, so it was all started by uh, George Lucas. All oh, right. So yeah, he's uh, old George. He's got his hand in everything, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was something that that certainly I'd never seen before. Anything like I think they had something uh, which was like a prototype, like a trial run for this on the Abyss. Um, and, and after that was or that those effects were a success in the, in the filmmaker's eyes. That's, that's when they decided to go ahead with this. Cause this was stuck in development for a, like pre-production for quite a long time. It's like four years or something. The hell is how long it was in? Yeah. Well, I, I think there was, there was the confidence over the, the CGI, you know, because it, it just wasn't, the technology just wasn't really there. And then I think there was something with the, the people who held the, the rights to the character it was Hemdale Film Corporation. They own 50% of the rights. And it was Carolco Pictures. So Arnie basically um, convinced uh, the head of Carolco to bid for the rights. 
and they ended up paying like five million dollars for it which um you know considering they made about 500 off it <laughs> at the box office you know as uh something they did all right out of Okay, just a little bit, Dave, just a little bit. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. And, and as we move on within the movie, the, I love this scene where he's on the, the crosser bike, John, and the Terminator's chasing him in the truck, the T-1000, but Arnie's on his own. That, that's, they are actually his own personal Harley Davidsons that he drives in this, this movie. Uh, I remember that well. And you can clearly see there's a couple of times where it's a stunt double, but you can't fake the stuff when he's on the street. <laughs> when he's he's dropping down, you know, and uh, it's clearly an Arnie mask. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like when he jumps over the from, side. Yeah. From the Halloween shop or something. <laughs> it does. That bit, to be fair, doesn't look great. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But the truck thing, it's a bit like when you watch the Dukes of Hazard, like, the Dukes of Hazard, the Dodge Charger, that 1969 Dodge Charger, every week made the most ridiculous jumps. Like every, even as a kid, I used to think, I'd love to have a car like that where you can just vault 20 foot in the air and it never breaks. <laughs> and when you see, see it now and you see the fact they had hundreds of Dodge Chargers in a field and they were just nicking from Peter to pay for Paul because the cars were fucked. That <laughs> truck, when it jumps over the side, is gone. The wheels come off it, the axle goes, everything. But then as soon as it pans to it, he's there working and he just knocks the windshield <laughs> off. <laughs> just like, come on. You, you know what as well? The T-1000 is shit at driving. <laughs> you got this little bike and he's just slamming into the walls. <laughs> I'm like, drive straight for fuck's sake. But um, no, I mean, it, it is an absolutely iconic scene, though, isn't it? It, it looks great. And, you know, I, I, what, what film were we watching recently? It wasn't Dark Fate. It was something else uh, that was fil- that had like a similar color scheme to this. I'm sure it'll come to me later. But now, if I think of Terminator 2, I think of this scene. Yeah. What about yourself, Max? I think I do think about this scene, and one thing I do think about specifically is the way he reloads that damn shotgun. Oh, that yeah. what, that is just—I mean, I don't know if that's actually possible to do, but the way he's driving the Harley, one-handed, and every time he he fires a shot off, like he's shooting the locks off the gates to keep up with the truck, and he's trying to shoot the the truck to T one thousand from a higher point, and every time he shoots, he kind of rolls the shotgun round in a full circle around yeah. his hand and then reloads it. That is just, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen, I think. You know, I mean, I'd, I think if you actually tried to do that for real, you'd probably end up blowing your own face off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you'd be taking a bit of a chance, wouldn't you? <laughs> you would, wouldn't you, yeah. And I read somewhere, actually, I read a bit of trivia that at the end of that scene, you know, where he's pulled John onto his bike at the front there, yep. and they shoot the, the, the wheels, the truck goes up in flames, and they pull up, and he, he reloads a shotgun, and just and the tyre comes out, and he's just aiming at it just in case, and then they drive off. When he, him, he, he's parked up there, and he does the roll of the shotgun, apparently a few t- two takes, he actually whacked Edward Furlong in the face with it, with the shotgun quite a few times. Um, so they had to kind of reposition everybody just to do it. But he absolutely nailed him in the face a few times, rolling it round like that. Um, but it's just the coolest way to load a gun I've ever seen in my life. One thing I would say, actually, Max, is it may have not just been an accident because he is an annoying little shit, <laughs> Edward Furlong. So maybe that's why he was hitting him with it. It might just be you getting a bit too... Uh, 
big for your boots, son. So Arnie maybe just knocking him down a peg or two. But I'm pretty sure that probably would have hurt whether it was actually a real gun or not. There's going to be some weight behind it. You've got to think oh. as well. I mean, it's Arnie throwing it around, so it's, it's going to have a bit of force behind it as well, isn't it? I reckon yeah. it's probably all of that lingo that he's teaching him in the later scenes. He's, he's getting a bit annoyed with it, so <laughs> take that, you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think as well, this is the bit where they get away and then he's at the phone box, isn't he? Arnie's got his, his knee up and, and John starts kicking off because he's got hold of him. He wants to go see his mum, doesn't he? And he starts screaming, going, uh, you know, get off me. And them two guys come over and I'll let you take this one away, Dave. I mean, what are your thoughts on John at this point? Oh, he's a little gobshite, isn't he, at this point? I mean, <laughs> he's calling for help and then, you know, he says, let go. And... So Arnie lets him go and he's like, what do you do that for? And he said, well, because you told me to, it's part of my mission parameters to do what you say. So these two jocks come over and, you know, they're just trying to help. But then <laughs> he's like being a total dick, isn't he, to them? He's saying, oh, I can't remember what he says, but he's like, take a hike, bozo, or something like that. And then, you know, it all kind of kicks off from there. And then, you know, this bloke, I mean, he must be... 16, 17 stone or something. He, he looks like he's, he's been on the old roids, hasn't he? And he gets picked up <laughs> by the hair. <laughs> yeah, I, think he, I think he's been on the same gear as Hardy, I think, Dave. But anyway, allegedly. Um, but uh, yeah, he does. He, he picks him up. And I, I think as well, the next sort of moving on within the film from that stage, obviously he goes to shoot him and John says like, you can't shoot anybody. And he's like, why? You know, you just can't. He's trying to give him that sort of moral realises that he was being a bit of a knobhead and then he's sort of gone, oh shit, he's actually going to kill somebody for me because he's there to protect John, you know. So I think John wises up slightly from that moment. But the next bit for me is one of my favourite bits of the whole film is, is the actual scene where they're trying to get Sarah out of, of the mental asylum and, and the whole T-1000 interaction here. And, I, I you know, one of my favourite bits is the guy with the cup who gets a full house and then gets uh, killed through the eye and Robert Patrick comes up from the ground, uh, obviously exactly the same and matches the guy, you know, uh, the effects even now to this day are still fantastic and the whole thing of the, where he walks over his feet on the tile floor and then he just starts coming up, I, I can love that. I mean, what do you think of that, Max? Oh, it's, it's one of the best scenes in the film, I think. You know, you, you say it's still to this day, the effects look great and it's hard to um, remember sometimes, but at the time, these effects were literal state of the art. It didn't get any better. You were showing you things you'd never seen before. You know, you look at it by today's standards and various parts in the film, you'd look at it and go, oh, it looks a bit wobbly or whatever. But um, my God, at that time, seeing the, the, the face come out, literally come out of the tiles. God, I remember watching that when I, when I was, well, I guess, I mean, 13 on the VHS. And even then it shit me up. Um, it's unbelievable stuff, really, the way he just comes up and then, like you said, skewers that pub. Or bastard through the eye. <laughs> it, it, it is really interesting, though, isn't it? How they merge that CGI, and, and we've said before, you know, it's utterly groundbreaking, but they mix that in with the practical effects. <laughs> And normally the practical effects age quite well, but I, I thought his prosthetic head looked particularly bad. And then there's like a side view of, of the security guard. And it's clearly the steel is going through the side of his head and he's just like shaking. 
it just looks really off to me. You know, you compare that to the the T one thousand effects, and and it's just chalk and cheese on how they look. Yeah, yeah well, I think as well, though, Dave. I think this whole asylum bit with Sarah, she obviously gets away in that. And one of the next bits, he said, is which I love, is when she kicks the shit out of some of these these horrible guards who obviously. You know, one of them was licking a face, which is fucking hanging when you when you see it. You know, typical the way they portray anybody in these asylums. Nobody's getting out in any fit state. They're actually coming out even worse than what they're coming. They're always being abused or something's going on. Yeah. And, you know, John and Arnie turn up after the T one thousands already infiltrated the, the the whole asylum, and then you get that bit, or you get the you know she sees Arnie, bottle goes, legs it, and then as he's trying to save her. Because I, I always laugh, guys. I always laugh at that stupid woman who's one of the guys. <laughs> and she smacks Arnie and knocks his glass off and he just throws her. <laughs> I mean, the way she collapses and doesn't... It's like she's... Like when you're a kid, in it? Or you're playing with a kid. Like, you know, you're wrestling or you're fighting with my nephews and nieces. And I hit the deck like they've really hurt me. And she just goes, I mean, maybe she was thinking, fuck that. I'm not going to get any change out of this guy. He didn't even move. But... It's very, very bizarre, that, that reaction. It always makes me laugh the way she just flies down the corridor. Yeah, she was definitely playing possum, yeah. She was uh, having, like uh, Chris says, she was having none of it. Uh, the, those other guys who were jacked-up guys getting thrown through windows into, like, steel bars and that. And she's wearing, like, um, she's got, like, a plaster cast or something on her arm or something. Yeah. That plaster cast must be, like, proper 80s WWF style loaded with an illegal foreign object or something. Because <laughs> when she cracks Arnie in the face, yeah, his, his face actually does move to the side. And you yeah. think, Christ, what's she packing in there? But yeah. then obviously, like you say, she takes a dive. Yeah, she does take a dive. And then we get one of the iconic lines in the film where he's like, come with me if you want to live to Sarah. Because John's there. She realises that he isn't the same guy from seven years earlier. And, and finally the stupid psychiatrist gets his come up and to realise he's, oh, fuck, she was talking sense all this time. <laughs> Maybe I need to go and work in McDonald's or something. That guy, Dr. Silberman, is probably one of the biggest tossers in film history and yeah. also has the most selective memory in film history because he was in T1 and literally he was the guy who interviewed Reese and goes, hey, he's this guy's off his cake and then he literally walks out of ch clocks off for the night walking out of the police station as Arnie walks in and then begins to massacre the entire police force and those two coppers who were in the asylum showing Sarah the pictures from that night going yeah he murdered 17 police officers <laughs> that night men with families and this, these pictures were taken in a, a mall in Reseda today your son's missing his foster parents are murdered what do you think about that and the guys, and Silverman surely will be looking at it thinking, oh shit, yeah, that's the same guy. And, you know, he, he murdered 17 coppers and didn't get a, so much as a flesh wound. And, oh shit, um, maybe she's got something in it. And he's just like, oh, well, she's, she's off her head, mate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got the world's shortest memory, hasn't he? I bet, I bet. Yeah. After T1, about after everyone got shot up and everyone's depressed, you know, the survivors are, are all traumatized the day after he comes into the office just whistling, oh, what's everyone being so miserable about, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, think, I think he got off pretty lightly, didn't he, with the broken arm there? 
Yeah, he did. He was a complete prick with her. And and one of the, again, one of the effects, again, which I love is, you know, the T-1000 comes through the bars and the only thing stopping him coming completely through is the gun. Uh, and that's like you say, you, you, the cigarette thing falls out of his mouth and all that stuff. And then he starts chasing Arnie. And this is where we get the proper cat and mouse stuff so with the lift shaft and uh, him chasing them, uh, you know, down the street and that. And they're in the, the police car, aren't they? Firing at him and stuff. I, I think it's great, especially when there's a bit of his hand comes off or his claw thing as he's on the <laughs> car. Arnie shoots him, doesn't he? And then John sort of gets it, goes, fuck that, and throws you know, it away. You know when they're in the elevator or the lift, if you're in the UK, and you get the blade sort of coming down through the roof, and Arnie says to Sarah and John, you know, get down. But they don't. No. <laughs> I'm thinking, surely, if, if you've got blades coming through the roof, get on the fucking floor for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know he, he eventually does sort of ooze through the, the roof, doesn't he? But I, I, I don't know why I just really noticed it this time. It was like, it's almost like with your own kids, like, you know, I'm telling you this for your own good. Just get to the floor, you know, and Sarah obviously just gets a little scratch or whatever, but I don't know why I'd, I'd never noticed that before, but it jumped out at me this time. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because from here is when she they go to sort of New Mexico, don't they? Or they, they go in the desert to get out of the way and uh, she has a proper pop at John, don't, don't she? And he starts crying and everything because he's, She's like, you know, you shouldn't, you're endangering the, the, the whole thing, the mission. You shouldn't have come for me. And obviously, he's got compassion. It's his mum. He loves her. But then, obviously, Sarah just goes full on psycho and then goes after the Cyberdyne guy, doesn't she? And it's always weird with me. I, I, I know she's a great character in this. And I've just watched, obviously, Dark Fate. And you watch it again. And there's times in that where it's just Sarah. I, against the Rev 9 I won't go too much into it obviously to ruin it but you're sort of like thinking there's no fucking way he's just going to stand there you know he's massacred all these people but he does and the T-1000 does the same and I, and I just find it difficult as much as I, I, I respect Linda Hamilton for changing her physique for actually being one of the first proper leading female leads to actually come in looking like a specimen it, it's still it's just weird that I just can't buy it when she just becomes full on John Rambo. I know we get the backstory about <laughs> she's lived with everybody and all this fucking bullshit, but I just don't buy it. And not because she's female at all. Dark Fate is fantastic. You know, the, the whole, uh, all three of the lead women, including, you know, Sarah is pretty good in it, but I just don't know in this. I just don't know whether I can completely conceive that she is this all conquering psycho, especially what's he called the guy? Is it Dyson? The way she, she, yeah. Dyson, yeah, yeah, and his poor family's there, his wife and his son. It's, I don't know. It's just that that whole scene with Dyson for me is the only thing that ever really bugs me about this movie, and I love it. It's not put me off. It's still a great movie, but it just it just always seems a bit out for me. I just I don't know why. I think ultimately she was a waitress, wasn't she? And then, like you say, she goes full on John Rambo. Now, I know she's got the hindsight. She was chased down by that first T-800 in the first movie. Uh, she knows what's coming, so she'd have skilled up. But it's still a bit yeah. of a stretch, isn't it? <laughs> you know? I mean, she's navigated probably 25, 30 years of her life, you know, just kind of, doing girly things you know in in the first movie she was quite a girly girl wasn't she and then to suddenly convert i mean I, i'm not quite sure i could 
I'm not sure I've got it in me to go full on John Rambo if that if that event happened. <laughs> Have you guys seen uh, the movie This Is the End? Yes. Yeah. And and there's a bit in that where they have this montage, you know, so they realize they're going to have to barricade up the house to keep all the, the demons out from, from coming in and whatever. And then it goes into this, like, into this music um, <laughs> where you would think there's this montage of them, you know, barricade, this A-team type montage, but they're all just fucking shit. You know? <laughs> <And> they're just... <laughs> pathetically moving furniture around and they've got a bit of masking tape and they're trying to cut that and stuff. And it, I'd imagine that's how I'd be, to be honest. So I, I kind of see where you're coming from, Chris. Yeah, I mean, what do you think, Max? I know it's quite controversial, but it's it, it just, I don't know, it just doesn't ever sit right with me, unfortunately. Um, I've always quite liked um, Linda Hamilton's um, portrayal in Terminator 2. I like the contrast between the first and the second i mean it's it's stretching it to the max to think that in the however many years she had before she got banged up in um the mental asylum how, how long she managed to attain all these skills from literally having none whatsoever in the first one to being like almost like a navy seal by the time you meet up with her in t2 i mm. mean it sounds like she's kind of like slept away around the armed forces of america shacking up with these different fellas learning different skills off all of them and training a son up at the same time. Um, and then, you know, you, you actually do wonder actually what those uh, fellas thought when she actually eventually said to them, look, this is why I'm doing this for my son and this is what's going to happen in the future. They must have thought, Jesus Christ, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> just run for the hills, I think. I mean, Christ, if um, you were with someone and they said, oh, this is coming down the down the pike in the future, you'd be gone. You'd just be, uh, oh, see you later and, and, and your son, bye. Um, <laughs> but I do like her. I think, she, I think she's very convincing, to be honest with you. And she, if you read about what she went through to get to that, like you said, the way she transformed her physique and she went through severe heavy weapons training and martial arts training, which was kind of pointless because she does know martial arts or any kind of hand-to-hand stuff in the film. It's all like firearms and stuff. Um, apart from a bit of a skirmish with that Dougie the face-licking guard at the asylum. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, just, you know, I think she's very convincing. It's an, certainly an iconic performance, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I, I would say. And I, I think that's one thing everyone says. It's just, I, I'm, it's just this scene just always bugs the shit out of me for some reason I don't know why it just really annoys me and, and Dyson's just a fucking wet lettuce in he at the end of the day he was, I, I always feel sorry for his wife and his kid to be honest well yeah. to be fair he's just a guy who works in the fucking office though isn't he <laughs> I, I can kind of empathise with him there if you get someone like a you know a female John Rambo you know I think I think I'd be a bit of a wet lettuce but I mean just just finishing up on Linda Hamilton playing Sarah Connor I guess whether you're convinced by her or not I think it's it's almost a necessary role isn't it it's quite a pivotal role to get to where we are now I mean if we look at you know our previous review for Cannonball Run and we look at how Farrah Fawcett was portrayed in that where she was basically a, a, a beautiful lady with no bra and a very cold room. Right? That, that's what her role was on that. So you didn't have that many strong female characters. And I think her, I think Ripley, you know, another Cameron, um, 
he didn't create her, but he certainly brought her to the fore in Aliens. I, yeah. I think it's a necessary film, and and um, that kind of brings us up on the curve on you know some kind of equality. I, I still don't think we're there, but Jesus Christ, looking back at the early eighties in particular, <laughs> we're a lot further ahead than we were. Oh yeah, without a doubt, I, I agree. Iconic, Dave, and I think I've mes- mentioned this joking, but Demi Moore when she was in G, was it GI Jane? Yeah, or the one where she got all kitted out as well, didn't she? Skinhead yeah. and everything, and Max as well. She did, and and yeah. I think you're right. I know it wasn't a great film, but these were the sort of stuff that they're necessary. Look at in the latest Avengers, you know, Endgame. It, it, Quite rightly, all of the female leads get the same billing as the men. It's, it's, it's the way it should be. It just like I say, there's no problem with it. The, the pull-ups, everything, great. And, and I'm not saying it because Dyson gets attacked by a lady. I'm not saying that at all. I just think if my family was under attack, I'd hope to think I'd have a bit more bottle about me than what he has. I don't know why. It just always <laughs> bugs me about him. But, uh, but anyway, that's just me. So uh, let's move on. <laughs> We're going on a rabbit hole. <laughs> but yeah, so she, I mean, she has that dream, doesn't she? And and it's it's quite, I think it's quite a shocking scene. And, and you know, it doesn't look 100% realistic. But when everyone's getting blown away by the nuclear explosions and she can sort of see herself, she sees like... The old um, Sarah Connor, doesn't she, that we saw in T1? She's got the waitress's outfit on and stuff. She's got young John. She's pushing him on the swings and stuff. And she's shouting and screaming at them. And no one can hear her. And then she just bursts into flames and everyone blows away like ash. And I I thought that was a really, really powerful moment. And I believe it was Sarah, uh, Sarah, Linda Hamilton's sister, that was uh, doubling for her at that time. So whenever they shot a scene, you know, the, the one nearest to the camera was Linda Hamilton, and then the, but then the furthest one away was, was her sister. Wasn't she a twin sister, Dave? I, I think so. I, I can't yeah, quite yeah. remember. But, yeah, I um, think so. Yeah, that, that made more sense. But I, if it wasn't a twin, would you need to do? Would you need to do that? Keep swapping outfits and camera positions. I, I don't know, but, yeah. but I does, think you're right does, now that you say that. Yeah, she has an identical twin sister, Linda Hamilton, and they specifically use that scene where she's taking Arnie's chip out of his head, and you're looking through the mirror at the Arnie in in the mirror, and they've got the puppet of Arnie on the other side of the mirror so they can mm-hmm. drill into his head and but you see Linda Hamilton on both sides one one of them is whatever her name is Hamilton's um twin sister uh, oh, right. okay. yeah 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 they're practically identical by all all accounts I don't know the lady's name um but yeah she actually Miss looks Hamilton practically <laughs> something like that yeah <laughs> you would think so but yeah she looks practically the same as a sister they're practically identical so she could literally stand side on and pass for a sister yeah that's that's a uh, it's good that it's very very clever as well because i think in the second one she was with james cameron as well wasn't she so uh yeah. it's well within the old family they're not together now obviously i know i saw on a, a graham norton there was a bit of a joke with them both saying like you're not with him anymore and she's like well we're, work- we're just working we're working it was very awkward uh i, I, don't, I don't know how they split up but yeah it, interesting stuff and i, I think as well james cameron's motivations were for getting the sister on set <laughs> <laughs> Do 
<laughs> going to say some of them, but I'm you, not you, I mean, you've got the T-1000 there, for fuck's sake. You know, special effects are quite advanced, but it's like, no, 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 no let's get your sister on. <laughs> Maybe they'd use all the budget on the T-1000. <laughs> well, easy- there is that, there is that. An easy cop out in it, I suppose. But but no, and then once they go and obviously Arnie comes with with John, save her from killing Dyson, and they go. I mean, I love this bit; it's ridiculous. But they go to Cyberdyne, and the fucking way he comes to the guy who's on the the security guy. Yeah, they're just friends up for the weekend. A bloke six foot two, six foot three, supposed to be in this. Who looks like a machine? He's wearing a Darth Vader black glove, stroke Luke Skywalker. You've got a woman who looks like she's going to rip your heart out, and then they've got this weird kid with him as well. It's ridiculous. It's, it is stupid. <laughs> he doesn't buy it anyway, but it's the way that Dyson's trying to say it into it. And he's obviously been shot, so he's got his hand in his pocket as well. It's yeah. proper, but, it, but then from there, obviously, Arnie shoots some stuff. It's that whole shootout with Arnie going to the, you know, like, I'll give us a bit of time or whatever, and he just goes to the front of the building which is blown blown apart and just starts nailing anything inside doesn't he? without killing him obviously but he just starts nailing everything yeah he does yeah what's brilliant about that is as well after he's uh, literally and you say annihilated the line of police cars and blown them all up you can see through his eyes he's scanning the scene looking at it and it says human casualties not point not and you just think well how can you have like a point something of a human casualty? You're either dead or you're not. So if it had said like 0.5 and he accidentally blown someone's hand off or, you know, <laughs> 0.8 and he shot someone in the eye but they'd survive, like Carl in The Walking Dead or something, you know, it's, I'd love to know what a point of a human casualty is. 0.1 stood on some Lego. <laughs> maybe for it's for insurance purposes, Max. You know, like maybe he's he's got to in case you know they've got to pay out or something. Maybe I think a 0.10 would probably be a finger or something. Realistically, it's just a small limb. You know, a leg might be half or something. But yeah, very very strange. And I've never seen that before. Never, ever seen it. So you've just said that. I'm going to have to go back and see that. I don't think I've, I've, I've actually caught that properly. It's one of those, yeah. isn't it? Someone somewhere has probably thought, yeah, it looks a bit more science-y. You know, it looks a bit more <laughs> techy. So let's let's add some precision where none makes sense at all. It's like bloody George Lucas measuring time in parsecs. <laughs> you know? yeah. at, least, at least fewer people know what a parsec is, I guess. But um, yeah, well, I, I, guess I, I know- correct all that. Well, I would say as well, a little bit of a slight plug uh, for our other podcast, Comics in Motion, and obviously it's a crossover episode with the VHS Strikes Back. We're doing a bit of a Star Wars thing, aren't we, Dave, in the next couple of weeks? And I've just literally watched The Phantom Menace, and the effects in this are fucking ten times better than that bag of shit, without a <laughs> doubt. And this is about seven years or eight years before. It's absolutely ridiculous that uh, there's some of the effects in that, but this well, stands up really well. It, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because it's all the same company. I think I mentioned before, um, it was, uh, is it Industrial Light and Magic or something? It, it was George yeah. Lucas's company that did the T-1000. But the massive difference between this movie and, say, The Phantom Menace, I mean, it, it really is the direction. Because in this, you've got that mixture of practical effects and the CGI on top of it as well. You know, a lot of it is still practical, 
But in Star Wars, it's just like they've they've gone everything CGI on and, and you know all the landscapes and everything. Most of it seems to be on a massive green screen, and yeah. it's just uh, it just took it too far. Yeah, yeah, I agree. yeah. it's true, isn't it? I mean, in this film, other than the T one thousand, if you think about it, there's very very little CGI in this film, really. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and that and that to be fair, Dave. As much as I'm and Matt, as much as I'm shitting on the Phantom Menace, is, <laughs> you know, and it deserves to be. Let's let's be yeah, honest. It's <laughs> but, yeah, it's fucking shit. But but Dave, you're right. The whole movie is a CGI fuckfest. Basically, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's just it's just like a tech video of shit. Basically, and it it really is. And I'm it is a tech demo, review. isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it is. You know, when uh, Pixar did the old little the little lamp, that that was a tech demo, and it just ended up being a mascot for the whole company. But yeah, you're right. I, I feel like kind of Phantom Menace is a bit of a tech demo, whereas you know, for this, I think Cameron just knew how to use it because i'm sure i've I've read somewhere and i I should have wrote it down but i'm sure the the heavy cgi the t1000 it's only about six minutes of screen time so it's really not a long time that he's on screen um and so the rest of it is all practical effects that's good. That's good to be fair, and, and then maybe I'm doing him a disservice. But unfortunately, the fucking story did Phantom Menace a disservice. But anyway, that's a totally different podcast, guys. So sorry. <laughs> you can tell how bitter I am, Dave, when I go and watch that and review that piece of shit. But anyway, let's move on. So, so obviously, one of the best effects within the movie, as we talk about that, is the fact that when Arnie's done that, they finally Sarah and John get away. Arnie creates, you know, he stops Sarah. She's under fire, and he, he drags her through a room and all that is the T-1000 and the helicopter, that still looks mint the way he comes in, headbutts the helicopter, just goos and oozes down into the actual uh, helicopter. I just think that's fucking great. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And I completely empathise with that poor chopper pilot as well when he just says, get out, and he literally dives out of the helicopter that's (laughs) above a parking lot, presumably to a painful death. But if that had just come through my windscreen and told me to get out, I'd take my chances with a a dive to death, to be honest with you. Otherwise, you're getting a spike through the eye, aren't you? Poor sod. It was good of the T-1000 to give him a choice, though, wasn't it? You know, again, I don't quite understand some people he just um skewers uh, like a kebab and others you know <laughs> he'll sort of give a choice so like you say you, you'd take a chance with a couple of broken legs wouldn't you rather than uh, oh. what you've just seen happen before your eyes you know someone just kind of maneuver themselves through the windscreen like that it's like yeah fuck this i'm off (laughs) (laughs) it's very true you're very true and from this chase obviously we have the massive pilot and we what did we review dave where it was don vangelina jolie and james mcavoy uh wanted wanted we wanted uh max on comics in motion a few episodes ago right and it's the most unbelievably ridiculous car chase in that so what you've got is you've got King James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie are in a Dodge Viper, which at one point in history was the fastest production car in the world. I think it hit like 197 miles an hour. And it's being chased by the typical cliche American Post fan. And this Post fan can keep up with a Dodge Viper. And I'm sat there <laughs> like, 
this is fucking nonsense. But <laughs> James Cameron does it right because they drive Arnie, Sarah Connor and John are in the shittiest farm truck you've ever seen against <laughs> a helicopter and then against the fucking truck. And I'm like, yes, I believe it. A bit like Jewel, the Stephen... Have you seen Jewel, guys? The Stephen oh, King. Yeah. What a great film that is. Have you seen that one, Dave? I don't, I don't remember that one, no. Oh, it's a great film, isn't it, Max? It's, it's a guy. He's actually the dad out of a... I don't know if you watched a TV show when we were kids called Gentle Ben. And his dad is the driver. Well, he's not the dad, but the, the character who plays this Ben's dad, he was a kid's program, an American one. He's the driver of this car. What is? He's like a businessman. He's driving a little red car, and basically this truck cuts him up, or he cuts his truck up, but you can't see the driver. It's a Stephen King movie. You can't see the driver of the truck, a big HGV, and everywhere he goes, this truck comes and it's trying to take him off the road. And in the end, it ends up in a big, like, shootout, doesn't it, Max, where, they, where they're mm. together and he has to outmaneuver this truck and everything. It's proper... I mean, I used to shit myself watching it, Dave. It's not like jump bits, but... Well, I mean, there probably is, actually, but it's, it's like that. And this is what this gets a feel of. It's the, the, the truck, this all-conquering truck, coming to take them out in that little shitty farm thing. And, and uh, very, very clever. I like this bit. I like the, the whole practical side of it and everything. Yeah, it's great. I love the fact when he gets on the uh, the hood of the um, truck, Arnie, and literally uh, probably a foot from his face unloads an entire machine gun clip into the T-1000 at point blank range and then flips the uh, the truck. And, yeah. then they, and then they surf for about, even going at that speed, they surf across the um, freeway for, a, it must be a good two or 300 metres, and that yeah. probably wouldn't happen, <laughs> the speed they were going at. But hey-ho, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the top speed of that fucking farm truck is about 30 miles, I think. There's no way. They make it look more exciting than it probably would have been. There's no way yeah. it's getting above 50 at least, and I'm telling <laughs> you. <laughs> it was good, though, wasn't it? And it just so happens as well. So the mother of all coincidences, it happens to be a, a, a lorry carrying a, a big tank full of liquid nitrogen. <laughs> so what are the chances, if, Dave? If you're being chased <laughs> by a T-1000, that is quite handy to have and uh, and also to to kind of split open and spill over all, all the place as well. But, I mean, I, I jest, of course, but... It looked fantastic when the T-1000 just starts to, he's walking through, but he starts to freeze up. And then you get Arnie with that iconic line, you know, of course, John's been teaching him on, on the road, hasn't he? And he, he says, hasta la vista, baby, and then blows him up, which lasts for about 10 seconds <laughs> yeah, before I, he starts I, to reform. <laughs> now, now, I'm sure, gentlemen, I'm not trying to speak for you, but I'm sure we've all blown our load a little bit early. Now, for me... <laughs> That was the money shot. The Hassler Beast, uh, Hassler Beast, I can't even say it. Hassler Beast, though, was the money shot to take out the T1000. But Arnie said it a little bit early. This, you know, I, mean, I think there was a deleted scene which was like, this never normally happens to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not me, it's you. No, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> you're, you're just too hot. <laughs> <laughs> We've all seen American Pie, haven't we? <laughs> But yeah, the money shot came a little bit early there and uh, Arnie didn't get paid for the money shot. You know, but then we get the cat and mousing, don't we? The T-1000 levers Arnie and basically kills him, doesn't he? You sort of think he's out of the game. Um, and Sarah's, again, no, guys, I'm sorry to shit on Sarah, but 
the T1000 could run through her like a knife through butter and she stands there and he just stands in front of her, doesn't he? You know, and I know he gets the spike on her and he's going to stab her in the eye and all that, but there's loads of chances there. He could just absolutely cut her in half and he doesn't. I know it wouldn't be much of a film if he just railroaded the main star, but there's loads of them ones where you've just got to slightly take that back seat and go, all right, fair enough. You know, he's just being a bit cruel here. He's, he's trying to make it a bit longer, the prolonged death. It, it, it's just, well, just enough time so he does, you know, so he actually gets taken out. But yeah, there's a few bits that are a little bit far-fetched. I do yeah. think it's it's really frustrating that they put her in that situation and there's no way that the T-1000, from what we've seen all, you know, leading up to this point, why doesn't he just kill her? We've seen that the Terminators, they can mimic uh, sound the voices and he does it a little bit later and usually before they mimic someone they terminate them so the fact that he didn't terminate her uh, it's just very weak for me yeah. what, what do you reckon Max? Yeah there is an element of that I mean it, there's almost like he, he almost toys with them towards that end bit you know um, he could literally like you said he could killer in the blink of an eye and then there's a not to jump far too far ahead but the bit just before the t1000 meets his end after he's been shot about six times by her and she runs out of ammo and he brings himself back together instead of just running towards her and john and slicing him up in two seconds he stands there and like wags his finger at her like no 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 don't you dare but you just wouldn't do that would you if you were this killing machine from the future whose sole purpose sole mission um, is to kill this child you would literally as soon as you'd reconstituted yourself from those like six shots you'd literally just launch yourself at the pair of them you wouldn't just stand there and wag your finger telling them off like a pair of naughty school children you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not a cat toying with a mouse is he he's a, he's a terminator no. he's designed to terminate so yeah again it, it, some of the little bits um, do look a bit silly now to be honest yeah, they do. But again, I think what we said earlier that a lot of this movie's been great, but that's probably a little bit that's not aged very well, to be honest. So throughout the movie, we've had different parts of it where the use of slow motion is is used quite well. So when Sarah Connor first is confronted with the T eight hundred again, you know the second one that she's met, first one was was relentlessly trying to kill her. I thought that slow mo worked quite well when Arnie was getting his gun out and you saw all the roses drop to the floor. I thought artistically that looked pretty well. But when he's coming over that kind of wheel, that cog, um, and he blows up the, uh, the T-1000. I think that just looks awful. It, it looks, I can't really put my finger on why it looks so terrible, but for that kind of action shot, I, I really don't think slow-mo was the right, thing to do it it felt like a cheesy 80s action movie or something you know maybe a bit of uh chuck norris or something like that you know and, and just having that slow motion in the wrong uh place or or maybe van damme you know just before he's about to do a spinning kick you know have, have a bit of that in slow motion so yeah again just picking nits uh even though i'm loving it all the way through i, I thought that just looked pretty terrible to be honest what, what do you guys reckon yeah it's it's a little bit out of place really because you've had such a that last half hour 
from the when they arrive at Cyberline to that point is literally non-stop. It's action, it's chasing, it's uh, a huge fight, it's a bit of everything. And then it's like time just slows down. And um, like I said, he, the T-1000 is just stood there doing his finger wagging, um, taking his time. And <laughs> the amount of time it takes him to reach the top of that cog, it's like, I don't know, Windy Miller out of Trumpton or something, the windmill going round very slowly. Um, and he just gets to the very top, but it just it just seems to take an absolute age. And you, you think there's no way that everyone would wait that long for him to get there. I don't know. It just looks a bit daft. I think I have a theory on this gentleman, actually. If you recall, Arnie's split in two, isn't he? So I yeah. think you're right. I think maybe this was a bit of CGI gone a bit too far. And obviously the way they've put, um, depict it is his, his body's in half he's on this cog he's basically pulled himself up by his upper body I think obviously it's probably two clips superimposed together old school and then maybe that's why they've had to slow it down Dave maybe they just couldn't get it to look right with the CGI that was available and they've had to go old school I, I'm not saying that's right I've not heard anything I've not read anything I'm just talking out loud because I do agree it does look a bit bizarre you usually do talk out loud <laughs> you, you've not said that for a for a few episodes have you <laughs> you say that quite a lot I was trying I was trying to be fucking you know like I know what I'm talking about <laughs> thinking internally and talking out loud um yeah. yes it's an interesting point that because I, I don't know you guys must watch Blackadder yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You seem like Blackadder go forth, and and honestly, that that's my favourite. That, that one. last scene where they go over the top, and then you know it's all slowed down, and you get the the music, the very sad music playing, <coughs> and then it all fades into a poppy field at, at the end. You remember that scene? Yeah. 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 Well. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but the editor who's putting it all together apparently the the actual shot was just awful. It was unusable. So they all they were all supposed to just go down normally, like they'd been shot. But it was so poorly executed. You've got like these people, you know, like if you said to kids, "Oh, pretend you're shot on the on the playground or something," and everyone just goes and, and then just falls down. It, it was all very much like that. And then Rowan Atkinson, you know, when they're still shooting the scene, he, he sort of lifts his head up and he's having a bit of a look around. And, you know, the editor's sat there with his head in his hands thinking, what the hell can I do? You know, this is all all in post-editing. Everyone's gone home. The set's been deconstructed and everything. And uh, he ended up just blending, you know, slowing it all down, putting the music on, fading in that picture of the poppy field. And it ends up just being this really powerful piece of art but it was born out of the fact that what they shot was crap. (laughs) So I I wonder, actually, you might be onto something there. It it may be covering something that we're not seeing there. Mm, Like I say, I don't know anything. Whether someone listening will be able to tell us the exact story, we'll probably be able to find it. But yeah, I I know exactly what you mean, Dave. I'd say what it reminds me of. Now, you you, you said Van Damme, and Dave knows that. My favourite Van Damme film, Max, I always bang on about it. He's not Bloodsport, he's not Kickboxer, he's Death Warrant, where he he fights the Sandman in the prison. Have you ever seen that one, Max? I've I've seen about 20 minutes of it, and that's it. 
Oh, it's my favourite one. I mean, <laughs> I know I have certain films that Dave is just like, how the fuck? Like, I love No Cheat, No Surrender Free, which we're definitely going to review at some point, and Dave <laughs> fucking hates it. And, he, and he's still trying to break down in my mind why I love that film so much. But I love Death Warrant. And this end bit is very similar to when the Sandman fights Van Damme and you get all this slow motion stuff. So I think that's a very good call out, Dave, actually. Yeah, but um, I mean, we, we do get the, the T-1000, he's blown up. Again, I, I think where he's all kind of mangled and everything, most of that looks practical, doesn't it? It looks like they've actually built that and then just stuck Robert Patrick's head on with CGI. And yeah. then he just sort of stumbles backwards into the molten lava. And, and again, you know... It, Sorry to be that guy, but just it's a little bit jarring. I know Arnie's learned, you know, the T-800's been learning all these little phrases and stuff. And it, it was good comedy timing. But when he says, you know, he's all beaten up to crap and he, he comes in and says, I need a vacation. <laughs> you know? I mean, classic Arnie one-liner, to be fair. But this is a Terminator, you know. So uh, I, I thought that was a bit out of place myself. Yeah, and I've always had a problem with the fun bit. I'm not a scientist. I don't profess to be. I got a dean science at school, but I'm pretty sure he won't be able to do a fun because his whole body and, and chip is within that frame of his upper torso somewhere. How would he be able to do that? I don't. I don't get that at all. It, it yeah. defies logic. Yeah, his head would literally be melting away before he even makes that thumb. So, yeah. yeah, how on earth does he do that when literally that hand is probably the only part of his body that still exists? <laughs> Again. Now, I know I've been picking the nits, Chris, but I'm not the one who's just professed my uh, love for No Retreat, No Surrender 3. So if we're talking about <laughs> how the fuck can anyone do anything, I, I'm going to remember that for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Max, if there's ever anything to trigger Dave, just mention No Retreat, No Surrender 3 because he's had to watch it three times in the last about four weeks. <laughs> and every time it gets worse for him when he watches it, it gets worse and worse. And we keep sitting down to try and do the recording we've got to do it because Dave fucking hates it I'm going to have so much fun listening to him the fact that you built it up so much you've been like oh yeah the third one uh, the third one's my favourite that's the best one a lot that is it is terrible it's just such a rip off lethal weapon just without any acting talent at all and you know the, the, the stunt doubles they make no effort to actually make them look like the characters that they're playing and it oh it's just awful and, and it does he, he's right and I know he's doing it to wind me up and he, he gets me every time but it just triggers me it's like it's so bad <laughs> it's terrible it, it was, like I say you get me but Max that is your homework actually after we've done this episode you're going to have to watch it because it's available on YouTube and we've, we've obviously done one and two and two is fucking terrible I mean, I shit on uh, Lauren Avedon, who's the main star, and then I'm, then, then I'm there with him on Instagram chatting away like I'm a biggest <laughs> fan. He's like, how are we going to get him on the show? If you're, <laughs> Even me. Is, you, you were saying, like, you know, I'd be the one to get the dart, but I listened back to that episode. You throw him under the bus as well, and you're like, <laughs> oh, fucking Lauren, can you listen to our episode? Here's a link. I'm like, oh, you want to do that? He'll <laughs> <laughs> kick the shit out of us. He's the 10th Dan, black belt or whatever he is. He was a taekwondo master. So, yeah, 
But yeah, if you get chance, Max, if you've got an hour and a half where yeah. you really, really need to cheer yourself up, just put that on because it'll take you out of any mood or a state of depression you're in and you'll start thinking, <laughs> my life isn't all that bad, actually, because he's fucking about to made a movie that is shit. I, I'll lower the bar, actually, Max. Just, just watch the first scene. So there's a bank robbing. <laughs> just, just watch that and it sets the tone for the whole movie. And, and if you're not saying at the end of that, whiskey, tango, foxtrot, I, I, I don't know what to do. But yeah, it's just, oh, we're going to have to get that review out of the way. Wow. It, it's just... Oh. It's hanging over you, Dave. It's hanging over you. That's what I love. I fucking love it. Sounds like a masterpiece. Oh, it's fucking mega. I'm going to actually link it to you later, Max. I'm going to send it to you. You've got no oh, excuse. Oh, please do, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you've got no excuse. It's fucking fantastic. It may blows Endgame out of the water, to be honest. Oh, I, bet <laughs> oh, I bet it makes one and two look like look like Endgame. <laughs> like fucking end of your life. I'm telling you, when you watched it, you'll, you'll understand. Fucking amazing, amazing. So should we go into our review score, guys? Yeah, let's go. Yep. But Max, you are our guest, so it would be only right if that's okay. You go first. But before you give us your score and your analysis, I'll run down the actual, uh, what the, the review system is with this one. Yep. So if it's the best thing you've ever seen, we send it to Cloud City. If it's still a great film, but it's not as good, we send it to Pleasantville. If it's middle of the road, we send it to Hill Valley. If it starts taking a bit of a dive, we send it to Elm Street with Freddy Krueger. And then if it's an absolute shit show, which I'm pretty sure maybe... Uh, no children on a free could be for David. Um, you send it to Dan Tween to be fired off by the Death Star. So the floor is yours, my friend. Um, well, this one, I think, just by its fingertips, claws above the No Retreat, No Surrender trilogy. Um, <laughs> and um, this one, it, well, it has to be Cloud City all the way. I mean, it is, to this day, one of the best science fiction action films ever made. Um, with great characters, uh, some real heart to it, effects that mostly stand up nearly 30 years on. Arnie at the absolute peak of his powers in his absolute prime. Same goes for James Cameron. He was at the top of his game here. And it is easily one of my top maybe five films of all time. I absolutely love it. No, that's great. That's great. What about you, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. This is the uh, this is the peak of the Terminator franchise. I, I do really enjoy the first one as well. I think it's a very different type of movie. You know, it's I think I mentioned before it's a slasher movie. Just so happens to have a, a robot from the future instead of a Michael Myers type. And uh, you know, going back and watching this, obviously, you know, I'm watching it as an adult, but I'm washed away by that nostalgia of it being that first kind of 15 movie when I went with all my friends and stuff to watch it at the cinema. And I just think it stands up really well. And, and obviously as we go through more and more movies, 
not a lot of them do stand up as well as you remember. Uh, <coughs> Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, <laughs> yep. stuff like that. So, yeah, it was great that this this did stand up really well. And obviously we've had a laugh and, you know, we've picked out some things which don't really make sense and, and some little inconsistencies and stuff. But I can forgive all of that because ultimately these movies are about how does it make you feel. And this kind of action with a little bit of comedy in, it was just, if, if you're rattling off some of Arnie's best action films, I, I think this has got to be in the top three for me. So this is another Cloud City for me. What about yourself, Chris? Well, I think you know where this is going. I think it's brilliant. I've got probably four actors who I have man crushes on from my childhood, and I've probably got Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon, Martin Riggs. We've got the wonderful Burt Reynolds, as everybody knows, he's, he's probably in my top two. We've got Stallone in Rocky, love Rocky Balboa, and then we've got Arnie. And Arnie, probably as I've got older, I've appreciated more than any of them. You know, probably even Burt Reynolds are my favourites. But I just love him. I love everything he's about. Yes, I agree that the 84 original is on a low budget. It was an indie film. This, and James Cameron had not made a lot of stuff at that point, but this was obviously quite... It got the reputation, it became proper Hollywood, but it didn't take away anything from the first one. That's obviously, sadly, we've not had much to match up to it. I think probably Dark Fate recently was, was you know, a pretty much welcome return to form, even though it has died on its arse in the uh, box office because of the shit three other ones they brought out since T2. But no, fantastic movie. Arnie's great. I, I like Robert Patrick. Sarah Connor, great. Linda Hamilton, like I say, just a few bits I, I picked on there that just don't sit with me. Edward Furlong's a fucking little dildo, but we can forgive him. It was his first ever <laughs> uh, movie. Uh, he's plucked from obscurity, obviously, and got the job done. Uh, but no, great film, and it set up so much after it, Arnie. Uh, absolute living legend for me. I love that man so much. So, Cloud City all day long, gentlemen. All day long. Three cherries, three in a row. Very, very yeah. good. So, guys, Max, before we go, uh, can you give us some plugs, please, where everyone can find you um, and what you're up to next? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find me, hit me up on Twitter, at Maxi Byrne, which is M-A-X-Y-B-Y-R-N-E. And then there's links there to the different sites uh, I write for, like we said earlier, DC World, uh, Dark Knight News, Fantastic Universes, Earth Nine. Find all my reviews and stuff on there. And, uh, you know, say hello and be nice. Good stuff, good stuff. And if you do like the show, guys, at VHS Strikes Back on Twitter. And if you do want to send in an email, the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com. And also, as we say every episode, please go onto your podcast catching app and drop us a review. It just helps myself and Dave get out there to more people and it helps us grow and get more people listening into us um, and if you have got suggestions please follow them links i've just given for any movies you want myself and dave to review because we'll always put them in our schedule so dave it's been another great episode great guest thank you so much again max really appreciate you i'm sure we're going to get you on in the future again um, but dave have you got anything for us today yeah, but I'd just say, I'd echo what you said. So thanks, Max. It's been absolutely brilliant to have you on. Thanks to our listeners out there for sticking with us uh, along this journey. And uh, it's been absolutely brilliant. But there's really only one way I can finish this off and say, hasta la vista, baby. See you next time. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now?
What are we gonna do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's not. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off. In your own time, Chris. <laughs> All right, sorry, you used the team. You're right, sorry. That's, that's, what, that's what I said. I said, I'll do my yes the year, man. <laughs> And then you introduce Max. Sorry, sorry, Max. The bottle's gone. We're a well-oiled right? machine, Max. So you, this you is know. why we edit so much. Uh, right, here we go. And for today, <laughs> fuck off, Dave. Right, here we go. <laughs> um, here we go.